Killings, computers, and the 90s. Welcome to Marvel vs. Marvel. It's a podcast where a comedian who has never read a Marvel comic book before in his life watches a Marvel movie or a Marvel TV show and then quizzes another comedian. This one was taught to read with Marvel comics. It's the yin and the yang of the Marvel journey and the Marvel experience. This is the episode on Venom. Let there be carnage. Hello and welcome to the uh, edition. I am Rob Holden. I'm one of your hosts. I'm also a comedian and I'm a writer and I am the Marvel expert. Joined as ever on this podcast by the man that makes it all possible. It's his Marvel journey. He's a very ignorant boy. It's 2023. It's Will Preston. It is. Hello. I am also one of the hosts of this podcast. He finds that very amusing. I, I, I said I'm one of the hosts. Like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if I said I was one of the hosts as well, instead of saying something correct like, I'm the other host. No, I'm also oh, one of them. Okay. Language. It's a cracking start to the year, Crack mate. <laughs> loving the bants. Oh, strong um, foot forward, mate. Strong foot forward. This is our first big deep dive of the year. Of course, we dropped for you guys um, a little holiday special, a little look at the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special the other week. But that was really us talking about Kevin Baker and the GoBots. There wasn't a huge amount of deep Marvel lore and trivia, um, and uh, we're going to really get into it with this one as we take a look at the the second Venom movie, and we take a look at what might be... No, 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 no. What, I mean, what what is one of the most important and popular Marvel villains of all time? Yes. Perhaps, easily the most important villain of the 1990s, which is a huge decade for Marvel Comics, for DC Comics, for superhero comics in general. Um, that is Carnage, of course, and this is going to be an absolute big one. We've never had a response to a movie quite like this one from all you people out there. Yeah, um, Lots yeah. of people wanted to talk about this and to... Um, to they had a lot to say, man. They had a lot to say. It's the biggest mailbag we've ever had. Let's just put it that way. And I think that just that proves <laughs> how popular the character is and how it broke through into all these other different forms of media. And dare um, say and how popular this podcast is. Uh, oh, absolutely. And I hope, hey, I hope we're going to have a bigger year this year than last year. So many cool things um, for us to announce. Um, we've got a big announcement coming Re, like like almost immediately and then we've got a very cool announcement about the next episode at the end of the show I'm really excited about all of this Will coming mm. up we'll go behind the scenes on how Carnage was brought to the big screen we'll go behind the page on the creation of the second symbiote monster we'll find out who's more powerful Carnage or Venom we'll dig into the blood soaked past of Cletus Cassidy explore his powers and his motivations and we'll look at the love of his life and the twisted Manson family that gathered around him don't go anywhere it's all to come on MVM oof big one big one feels like it's going to be a big one it does Um, look at all those notes we got Loads You've done some roving reporting for us in this episode as well. <laughs> roving reporting in the uh, the area I spend most of my time in anyway. <laughs> it's it's a monstrous episode with two big monsters in it. Yeah. Um, before we go any further, though, we've got a monstrous announcement to make. Uh, we've been waiting for this for quite a while. <laughs> Marvel versus Marvel, the live podcast 2023 we've signed the contracts we can announce it the 25th of march it is happening 
in Wolverhampton at the Arena Theatre. This is the live podcast, Show Good, that we won a prestigious Leicester Comedy Festival Award last year with it. Um, And we're bringing it back for 2023. Brand new venue, brand new location, still in the Midlands. Because that's where all my contacts are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no chance of bringing it to London. Too expensive. Too expensive. Uh, who knows? Maybe at one stage, maybe in the future, if we can get a good deal. Yeah. Uh, link to the tickets. Uh, tickets are on sale now. Yes. Um, link to the tickets will be in the notes to this episode, wherever you're listening. Just ex- extend the notes. You'll see a link. You'll see the, 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 the URL there. Also, it's the pinned tweet on our Twitter at. Marvel versus you can click the link get tickets right now. We're going to be diving into what if the Marvel multiverse Captain Britain and Agent Carter live in front of you, me and Willie P. Mm. Um, I'm jazzed about this one. The the Arena Theatre in Wolverhampton. Um, it's a really special arts theatre. Um, that we've got a really great relationship with, which has allowed us to do two things. Two things. First of all. We've been able to keep the ticket prices at rock bottom levels, just five pounds a ticket, um, which is just about covers the cost of turning on the heating in the building. Um, <laughs> we we know that you guys will be travelling from from all over the place to to come and see us, um, and that you'll be spending your hard earned money on getting to us on that travel and transport. So we worked with the theatre to make sure that we can just. Get get the cost of the show as low as possible. We want to see you. You want to see us. That's what we're going to do. Like I said, a great arrangement with this with this theatre, and we're going to be able to spend time saying hi, meeting and greeting people. Like we didn't get chance to do that last year, really. No, we did, and, and it was quite a shame because I, I, I even though I was kind of looking forward to getting home because I was quite tired. After two days, we could have just hung out. Festival, it would have been so good. I was still wanted to at least spend half an hour to an hour at the very least, just saying hi to everybody and saying thank you for so much for coming. And I'm really happy, even though I'm actually, Let, I am going to be driving up this time. So yeah, I'll have to stay sober, but I'm I'm looking forward to having La- a bit more last time. year. I don't think the venue knew what they had with us, um, and they didn't seem and and then so they weren't really involved. They didn't they didn't know much about us really, yeah. and they just did not want to work with us to allow us to spend any time with with the people that had come to see us. Yeah, um, shame. They closed the bar during the gig. Oh yeah. <laughs> they they wouldn't they yeah. wouldn't stay open any later. It, it was it was really frustrating. This time there's a great team at the Arena Theatre. Uh, me and Will will be able to meet folks, answer questions, take photos, whatever you want. We're going to be there to. For all of that, um, I already know we've sold a bunch of tickets already. Oh, yeah, we already definitely gone. have. <laughs> um, that's the 25th of March. It's a Saturday. Um, it's the Arena Theatre in Wolverhampton. I think it's 3 p.m. Mm. Um, or, or 2 p.m. The poster will let you know, or the ticket poster will let you know. It's 2 <laughs> or 3 p.m. Um, I can't remember if I have got the doors open. Anyway, it's one of those p.m.s. Um, link to the tickets. As I said, it's in our pinned tweet. At Marvel versus um, on Twitter. It's also the URL is in the notes uh, of this very episode. Drop that down. Mm. And guys, come and see us in person. We had huge amount of fun last time. And it, again, <laughs> we've, we've had to put the the special banner and poster on our on our on our image. We won a. This is a really cool, awesome, big award for us. Yeah. Best best live podcast show, best live show, whatever it's called. Um, not best live show because there were lots of comedy shows, but yeah, yeah best live podcast essentially. We, we, um, we beat quite 
quite a few big names. <laughs> TV stars, Will. We beat TV t- stars who have their own podcast that like loads, like millions of people listen to. We beat them. <laughs> um, that's how good this show is, especially yes. live. We yeah. have a tremendous amount of fun, um, and uh, we're going to be uh, we're going to be uh, really getting into it all live and in person. Come and see us, twenty fifth of March, Arena Theatre, Wolverhampton. The dichotomy of this show, ladies and gentlemen, is that I am a Marvel expert, born and raised to read Marvel comics. It was fed to me like mother's milk <laughs> from day one. I was in that ink. Um, and Will Preston is the flip side of that coin. If With, with Two-Faces coin, I am the, the regular side. And Will Preston, he's the scarred face on the other flip side of the coin. That's him. <laughs> um He's the guy that's never read a Marvel comic book in his life, which means he represents you, the general public, the vast majority of people that love all these movies and TV shows and all these kind of video games and stuff, but have probably never read a Marvel comic in their life, or maybe they've read one or two. Um, Willie P, dive into your mind now, the mind of a muggle, an average working Joe. Dive. Uh, uh, it's a pretty shallow mind, mate. You're going to break <laughs> your legs. <laughs> yeah, maybe not dive. Paddle. We're going to go paddling. <laughs> if you fill your boots, maybe you not even fill your boots. No, <laughs> Get your soles no. wet. Yeah. Uh, so let's focus first on the big new character, Carnage. Had you mm. ever come across Carnage before this movie, two thousand and uh, whatever it was, twenty one? I don't want to give a, co- a complex or obtuse answer, but I think I must have come across him because I see the red version of Venom, and I go, "Why is that so familiar looking?" Something about it. I mean, obviously, Venom and Spider-Man, very, very iconic, very recognisable characters. I think Carnage, uh, I must... It, something about it rings a bell from my childhood. Maybe from seeing uh, screenshots from a video game or maybe a comic book or something, you know, at my periphery. So you don't remember playing the massive video game in the 90s then? No, I actually never played any um marvel superhero video games at all wow until maybe i think i played a little bit of the playstation one spider-man game but i didn't really get it but then when i played the video game i think it was ah yeah it was the uh, spider-man game they made of the movie with toby Maguire. right so in the 2000s then yeah that was when i first really uh got on board with uh you know comic book video game I mean, before that obviously i played so many batman i played lots of batman games yeah yeah because they you can understand but yeah marvel ones not so much because they didn't really I, draw me but I, I was aware of so many different marvel video games out at the time i just never got see drawn. yeah i i would have assumed being our big video gamer and our and our, and our muggle viewpoint that this would have been because this because carnage was freaking huge for about three years oh absolutely and massively in the video game world i do i kind of would have assumed that that this would have penetrated at some stage but well, it didn't it, it's true well you've got to understand growing up uh, in the early 90s when it comes to video games it's not like today where you can just drop 20 quid and get loads of games online true. this was this was like if you're going to buy a new game you go out to the shop and had to get a physical cartridge or a CD, and you a had to make physical a commitment. cartridge. You had to make a commitment to what you were buying. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I could be frivolous and go, "Well, I've never read a Marvel comic. I might fancy playing a Spider-Man game." Like, no, 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 no. I had to commit. I had to really commit. Like now, I've got like an income, like an adult job, and a, and a PC, uh, a gaming PC. I can go. Ah, I've never heard of this franchise before. I will definitely buy a game of theirs for a fiver when it's on sure. sale. Sure. Yeah, so it's easy for me now. 
Okay, so to focus on Venom then, how did you feel coming out of... Uh, did you see the 2018 movie at the time? No, I only watched it for this podcast. For the, for the I podcast. kind of uh, avoided it, to be honest, because I, I, I don't like... I'm not a big fan of the Sony-verse. So, uh, the Spider-verse yeah. is a different... I, I count as a different thing, but the Sony-verse is just... I, I'm just annoyed that they haven't... I know you keep telling me that doesn't make any sense, but they should just go, okay, <laughs> Disney, you can have it all. Have it as part of the big MCU. We're sorry. We're, we're like the divorced dad <laughs> keeping the child please, when it doesn't want to be... Please, don't, don't let us make any more money. We're just going to bend over. No lube. No, no. Crack no. on. So, Sony, Sony, Sony can maybe make video game money, make the video games under their banner, You know, get the video game money. That's fine. Just hand over all film rights to Disney, who do the yeah. films way better. Oh. Yeah. Um, so how did you feel then 2021 this mm. podcast was up and running mm. um, and you had seen the, the first Venom movie and we deep dived it and stuff how did you feel when this second movie is being kind of announced and talked about and the, the carnage we know we, we saw carnage obviously tease yeah, at the end yeah. of the first uh, Venom movie well, two, I was in two minds. One was, which was C before, which was, for God's sake, Sony, give the rights to MCU, mm. let, let them do it as part of the big thing. The other thing was, oh, Woody Harrelson. I uh, I would like to see that. <laughs> I would like to see more of that. Yeah, I thought it was interesting casting. I really did. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah I couldn't work... It, for some reason, it really... Even though Woody, Woody Harrelson doesn't really have red hair, but it, it's somehow sort of connected, and he's sort of... In my mind, for some reason, he physically kind of met the sort of the Cletus Cassidy uh, appearance. I can't quite work out why, really. Um, perhaps it's because he's got that that southernness to him. Um, but yeah, um, okay, very very interesting deep look into Will Preston's mind then as we approach 2021, which was a massive year for for other other Spider Man characters. Oh, um, absolutely. Well, let, let's have oh. Mr. Hollywood uh, come <laughs> aboard and rake through the trash cans of Hollywood to try and find us uh, some some dirt behind the scenes. Yes, that's the trash cans for our American friends. While we in the UK say dustbin. So it came off as really Alan Partridge. Anyway, let's go. Let's make sense of the dollars and cents first because there ain't no funny without money. Venom. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. I said does it to someone the other day. <laughs> I said that the other day, and then I'm like, I want to make, I want to say this catchphrase <laughs> as many times as I can out of context. Or well, barely within a context. Bang, a banging start there. Good. A banging start. God. What a great year we're going to have. Uh, 2018, we thought we saw Venom made on a budget of 100 to 116 million US dollars. Box office, a very nice, big fact, 856.1 a, a really astounding amount of money. F- uh, and and I, I think something that proves... I mean, maybe it proves that Tom Hardy is a, a big box office draw. I don't know. Um, I have, I'd have i have to look at his other movies that, that don't have as much of a superhero hook. Um, but this, this I- movie... This Venom movie certainly, I, I I think the I think Venom is really really popular a character, and I think people really wanted that first movie to be good. Um, I also think they wanted, you know, all the promotion around that first one was this is going to be a dark and aggressive, violent Venom movie. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think people, a certain kind of fan that really really <laughs> likes, listen, hear me out. A certain kind of fan that still really likes Venom 
mm. even after the last, you know, 30-odd years of those stories and it not being... Ve- like, Venom... Eddie Brock hasn't been Venom in so long, you guys. <laughs> like, the character was popular for about five or six years mm. and it ended in about 1997 and hasn't been popular or a thing since. There's a certain amount of, of kind of older people that, that kind of cling to this... 80s, 90s anti-hero Venom that really wanted this movie to be really good, mm. um, and I think I think that played a, a big a big part in it. I'm sure Tom Hardy ha- has some box office appeal as well. Um, I mean, who, a, who, who can doubt that he has massive box office appeal? Uh, does he? At, at one, I think he does. And at one, oh, well, I, I don't want to hear think. <laughs> I, I I'm only, you I'm, I'm, as the movie man to bring the numbers to me and say, yeah, he did this movie, which didn't really have much of it. It wasn't a Batman movie, not much of a hook. And it made, like, I have that legend movie where he plays both Cray twins. If that made hundreds of millions, then I'd go, okay, okay I guess the guy does have box office appeal. I, 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 just, I just like him. I think he's attractive. That's, that's fine. That's completely different to box office appeal. Anyway, (laughs) Venom 2, or as we formally call it, Venom Let There Be Carnage, released 2021, almost said last year, that's how time doesn't work, Mm -hmm. Uh, budget 110 million, so very similar numbers to the last film. Box office, 506.9 million, still a great amount. But clear diminishing returns. Well, this is a COVID year. This is a COVID year. We need a massive asterisk next to that number. We do. This was released during COVID, during the big COVID. It it didn't, I don't, like, the returns on so many movies in 2021 were massively down because of that. The success stories are the ones that stand out because you go, oh my God. I mean, I think No Time to Die, um, but, but, but. They're really, you know, 2020 and 2021 were were bad years for the cinema. So yeah, they they were. I think I think Tenet really took the flak for it too. But that's a completely different thread, isn't it? I think um, I think if this had been released uh, without all these COVID lockdown restrictions, yeah. it probably would have been seven to eight hundred mil. It, it would have been I very think. close to the last one. I'd, I'd, imagine. I'd imagine so. I but, think so. Rob, we say that. We say that. At the same time, sorry, the same year, we had the other Spider-Man movie of 2021. <laughs> well, we did, yes, Which that's we did. true. And well, talk, talk to me about that, Mr. Hollywood. Well, Because let's know, see, were there diminishing returns you, on you, that movie? You could talk about COVID restrictions and lockdown, but, you know, money, yeah, you, yeah. you can't be funny without money. That's never coming back. We'll get rid of that catchphrase. Uh, meanwhile, in the same year, we had Spider-Man No Way Home. Released on a budget of two hundred million, box office one point nine one six billion dollars, nearly two billion dollars. So maybe I don't know. Depending on because it was such a fast, the last two years, last two or three years have been very fast moving in terms of restrictions and lockdowns and what's happening. Who knows? Maybe it got released at a bad time during two thousand twenty-one, forcing uh, for seeing a movie. But I don't know. No Way Home, to me, felt like the movie that everyone said, let's go back to the cinema to see it. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad um, I did. And I can't wait. And it also had... To get onto it. It also had a... It seemed like it had a much bigger hook yeah. than more venom like the the rumor mill and all that stuff that was that was swarming around it yes. fan theories and ideas and all that um that we won't go into 
it, there was a an absolute furore about this movie. Um, <laughs> now, I I actually didn't didn't see No Way Home in twenty twenty one because it was this is a thing that affected a lot of cinemas yeah. and a lot of theaters. It was the first year in 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 Britain. Sorry, in England, I think, because the restrictions were different in in Scotland. It was the first year that you could have Christmas with family. Yeah, um, and that affected lots of live event uh, ticket sales across the board. Uh, my family, even though we we're fully vaxxed at the time, my family asked me specifically, "Please don't go to the cinema in December because you could ruin Christmas for everyone." Like it could yeah. bring this lockdown on one household that would affect about three households. So I was asked to wait until 2022 to to go and see it after Christmas, and and you know, but it didn't affect anyone else. Look at that, nearly two billion at the box office. It's uh, it was fantastic. I watched it again this Christmas with the family. Uh, they Me enjoyed too. It. Me they too. Enjoyed I watched it. They... New, Year's, New Year's Eve. Um, it was incredible. Did, you, did again. Your folks like it? No, not with folks. No, I don't watch it with any. I don't. I watched. Spent New Year's Eve alone watching it. <laughs> I spent New Year's Eve alone playing the South Park game and watching Simpsons till two a.m. Here's what I'm going to say. Right, <laughs> there is absolutely no reason mm. that if they did a proper Venom versus Spider-Man MCU-based movie, that would be a mul- that would be a billion-dollar movie as well. Well. It would be a billion dollar movie. The fact that they, they you know, that you can't, you can't, the hook for that No Way Home, and I don't want to talk about it, but mm. it was really tantalizing to people. The fact that Venom makes 800 mil on its own, if yeah. you had done this freaking properly, or even if you were just able to set Venom up in one movie on his own, okay, fair enough. Then in the next movie, we get the, the big clash or whatever. You can't tell me that wouldn't have been over a billion, billion and a half, you know. Yeah, but the thing is, you know, Phase Six—they've already for May first, uh, two thousand twenty-six. They're going to release Avengers: Secret Wars. Now we've covered Secret Wars before. Could that be when they decide? Maybe who knows what will happen in terms of deals with Sony? But do you think that we'll see Return of Spider-Man and maybe the introduction of Venom into the MCU in that film? <clears throat> I don't know. It's a long way off. I don't know what Holland's contract looks like. It'd be uh, disappointing if it was a different actor, um, because then it feels like you've got to relaunch the character all over again. Yeah, um, yeah. I'd really hate to see it, that, but you know, it, we 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 could get a nice clash, um, a la the second, oh, not the second, the more modern Secret Wars, which we haven't covered. Um, Was there which a modern I think one? We're kind of yeah, we're kind of saving. Mm. Um, it, it it could well happen, but you know it, that that relies on Tom Hardy being Venom through to twenty twenty six. It relies on sorry Tom Hardy being Spider Man, and uh, I'm, I'm getting all my Toms mixed up. Tom Holland, Holland being Spidey and Hardy being Venom for that much longer. Well, does it have to be Tom Hardy? Because well, well, it would lose. I think a lot of his punch if it did. It would feel like okay, you got to relaunch the bloody character again. Well, yeah, and it, I agree. It, it, the the ending of 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 this movie and No Way Home seems to be to me a way of doing it without involving Tom Hardy. Yeah, uh, but well, that's exactly what I was thinking. It feels like they've left the door open for them to do their own Venom story in the yeah. MCU because the ending of this movie and No Way Home such a waste, <laughs> just a waste. Anyway. Uh, bring us the muck. 
you muckraker. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Oh, that's you know be, what that... you are. You're a you're a dumpster diving. You know you you scoop the scum up from the bottom of Hollywood forget and a, you forget spread about it beneath our feet. I think bring us the muck, you muckraker, is <laughs> badge and indeed T-shirt worthy. <laughs> I love it. Come on, okay. <laughs> um, first of all, during the long development of the 2018 film Venom, the character Carnage was expected to appear as an antagonist. During pre-production on that film, the creative team decided not to include the character so they could focus on introducing the protagonists, Eddie Brock and Venom. Director Ruben Fleischer felt that leaving Venom's most formidable villain for a sequel would give the franchise a place to go and would be a natural next step. So Carnage's alter ego, Cletus Cassidy, was introduced in a mid-credits scene at the end of the first film with the intention of featuring him in a sequel. Would have been a massive misstep to do that, and yeah. so many movies do do that when they're adapting um, some of these properties that have a long history. They have to throw everything at the wall straight away immediately, yeah. Um, yeah. Without this thing of establishing, and I, I can remember I was, I was a young man working at the cinema, and there was the Thunderbirds movie. Oh, I never saw that. And the Thunderbirds movie, I feel a little bit like this with the first X Men movie as well. Mm. The first X-Men movie, you see the mansion and the X-Men, and then a couple of minutes later, everything's been blown up. All the X-Men have been defeated, <laughs> and Wolverine's got to do it on his own with a couple of kids. And you go, no, that's the second movie. <laughs> oh, The first movie, you've got to show me who these people are and why yes. I care. <clears throat> Thunderbirds movie was exactly the same. It was like, well, within in eight minutes, here are the Thunderbirds, this brand new high-concept thing you don't know about. Um, and then, like by minute eleven, oh, the mansion has been blown up, and all the Thunderbirds are essentially dead. Time to let some kids be the new Thunderbird. No, that's no, the that second movie. That does not work as a first movie. Establish the concept. Bring you know, and this would be the same. Like to to the the uniqueness of Venom would be lost if there's two multiple symbiotes in the first movie. All that all that rigmarole. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I might go and check it out, but I, I don't know. I didn't hear what? good things. The Thunderbirds movie. That's not what we were... T- okay, good. <laughs> Your ability to focus in on what I'm not talking about is incredible. Yeah, you're right, Rob. I really should go and watch that well, Thunderbirds movie. That's not what I'm saying, brother. But well, okay. as you as you know, as some people close to me know, I am... <laughs> Just, I can see in your eyes, you're just off in space thinking about the Thunderbirds movie and the, that busted theme song. Yeah. Okay, okay, don't worry, it's fine. Everything will become clear, hopefully, in at least six months' time. Uh, (laughs) Onwards. Fleischer wanted to cast Woody Harrelson in the role, feeling there was a natural connection between the character and Harrelson's performance in Natural Born Killers, and asked Harrelson while the pair were discussing a sequel to their film Zombieland. So, I got this uh, feel from the off in this film of Natural Born Killers, especially the connection between him and his love yeah interesting interesting kind of doing it as a as a bonnie and clyde thing yeah and of course uh i mean have you seen natural born killers oh yeah i need to rewatch it though i watched the director's movie. cut it's um, uncomfortable but mm. so on point i mean oliver stone went from you know a story that was uh that could have been just like a very bog standard kind of serial killer thing yeah. to creating this thing about 24 hour news um 
sensationalism. I mean, I, I mean, um, essentially, a, a, a ripping it down of the modern penny dreadful. Yeah. You know, the old, uh, the old horrible uh, little sensationalist news pamphlets that would be circulated in Victorian England, yeah. um, which is now become the gruesome twenty-four hour news that cover, you know, the OJ case, the OJ chase, the the Mendes brothers uh, trial, and all these kind of things. And he just spins it into this real. Real, like, uncom- like you said, a very uncomfortable um, whirlwind of TV um, it's and death. It's in- it's an incredible movie. Love it. I- I'm going to rewatch it at some point, but I remember being quite haunted afterwards. Anyway, Ruben Fleischer, however, had to drop out of directing the movie due, his- due to his commitments to Zombieland at Double Tap, which I've not seen and haven't heard good things about, though he is still intended to be involved in Venom 2. By the end of July 2019, Sony hoped for filming to begin that November and had met with several candidates to replace Fleischer. Directors uh, the studio met with include Andy Serkis, Travis Knight and Rupert Wyatt. Cool, cool. Cool, yep. Sorry, yeah, I, you looked to me for a response. My response is awesome. You're quite a good film guy, and I was, I, you know, we all know Andy Serkis, and I was, I was half expecting you to go, ah, yes, Rupert, Wy- Rupert Wyatt. I remember you're he did this the film. movie guy. I'm the comic guy. If you want to know about those directors, that's up to you. That's, <laughs> your, that's your job. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. He's swinging a miss. Serkis, though was officially hired to direct the film in early early August 2019, partly due to his experience working with CGI and motion capture technology as both an actor and director. That's quite interesting, though, isn't it? You might as well have Mr. Mocap himself do it. Mr. Mocap. Yeah, I I mean, from what I kind of gathered, he's, like, directed motion capture scenes Mm. in in recent movies because people haven't worked in motion capture like he has. You know what I mean? Like it's interesting. Whatever ones, whatever ones have hired him to do, he's gone, oh, you've never worked with motion capture before. Okay, I have to be in charge of this scene then because I've been doing it for 30 years. When you think about it, Andy Serkis, obviously, he prim- primarily trained as an actor, but then the technology around the, around the industry improved to such a way that he went in and became one of the most recognisable mocap people. I mean, the the planet, the new Planet of the Apes films, Lord of the Rings, of course. And then, in a way, he's kind of like, uh, almost been like an apprentice to this technology as an act, you know, as, as a, uh, on both sides of it, in terms of yeah. directing and uh, Well, I didn't, I, I, I think I've not heard of incredible. him. I've not heard of him directing kind of any straight movies and directing actors. and I've not heard of that kind of directing, the, okay. the oh, stuff okay. that you're... You know, so I've not heard of that. Whether he's got a great film in his that he's made that I've not heard of, I don't know. But he seems to be quite uh, au fait with the technology and knows how to use it to an extent. Uh, sure, for me though, the idea of hiring a director because he can do the special effects, I would rather not do the movie than do that. <laughs> okay, fair play. You want a you want a director that can get a great performances and yeah. that understands pacing and story and oh, tone yeah. and to go well he knows how to do that thing we need <laughs> yeah sure get a motion capture director in or whatever they i don't know how you do that but you know tim burton wasn't chosen to do planet of the apes because he knew about the special effects or as a bad example because it's not a good film but you know what i mean it's yeah, just I, yeah i get what you mean I, get, I, I I just thought it was interesting when you talked about him directing certain bits. But anyway, that's fine. Yeah, it is. It is interesting. You're it right. Is, it, it's it, just, it is interesting. I don't. It's a weird thing to have picked a guy to for. Yeah. You know. But however, on directing the movie, Circus said, "I love what Tom did in the first movie, and Tom and I had wanted to work together for years, 
So it was just a golden opportunity to play in an environment where you've got these marginal characters, dysfunctional, screwed up characters, and then the introduction of this incredible nemesis character of Carnage. I know everyone is desperate for Venom to meet Spider-Man. I know that. But I think there's a real mileage in some of the other supervillains that reside in Ravencroft. There's no, some- there's not. <laughs> Does not, Let me Andy finish Serkis. the quote. Does absolutely not. You, you're just drinking the Sony Kool Aid for press purposes. You're an idiot. Everyone at Sony is an idiot. No one wants a Morbius movie. I thought I was being out of control when I was getting angry at Sony, but there we go. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for the Lizard movie. Can't, I can't. Mad, I can't Madam, wait. Madam, Madam Web's going to be great. I can't wait for the Madam no Web movie. I can't. I can't wait for. Oh, Jesus well, Christ! I, look, look, look. I'm as angry as you are. I'm as angry as you are, but... I can't wait for a movie about the Hobgoblin that doesn't feature Spider-Man at all. It's going to be so great. What a brilliant idea. It's going to be an Aunt May movie. No Spider-Man. Stop <laughs> May. Aunt May, Uncle Ben, The Origins. <laughs> a 16-part series on Sony's streaming service. They oh, did They they did. They, they did an Origins uh, TV show about Alfred Pennyworth, so anything's possible. Anyway, as, Cir- as Circus said, there's so much fertile ground to be uncovered there. That would be the sandbox I'd be really interested in playing. Who's lurking in there that could break out? Not many people, apparently, according to Rob. No one. Doctor Octopus, the movie. No Spider-Man, though. <laughs> he's got sick. He's got loads of arms, and he fights the police. Cool. <laughs> And you know what? You know what you don't know about Dr. Octopus? In order for us to space a movie around him, he's what? actually a bit of a hero. Um, everyone, all these villains, are actually got to be a bit of a hero, really. Otherwise, we haven't got a movie, have we? So, do you know what the real villain of the go. piece is? Society. Because mm. <laughs> we're doing the Joker again. <laughs> anyway, apparently, Spider-Man was almost going to be in the main story, with Circus explaining that it was something they talked about from before I even came onto the movie. There were moments where Spider-Man was going to be in the story, potentially. And then he wasn't. But no, we decided <laughs> we decided that we wanted to really examine the Venom verse first. Yeah. Oh, what no, I can't believe I that just what said happens? that. You, you guys had the option to use Tom Holland's Spider-Man, and then you said, no, no, no we'll so, just light billions of dollars on fire in a trash can instead. So as we were going... Through principal photography, the inevitable discussions had to be had, but it wasn't until very, very late on that we reached the precise notion of the teaser that we wanted to lay in there. Okay, I'm picking something a bit different about that. Okay. I think I think what they're saying is that there was this there was this thing from Marvel to include this movie in No Way Home's dimensional thing. Yeah. And the talk was, oh, maybe we can get Tom Holland to do something. Maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it's, I don't know what it would be. Some sort of slight cameo, right? Yeah, like yeah, Hardy yeah. had in, in No Way Home. Um, but then it didn't work out. And they had, uh, but the idea that they chose to not have Tom Holland's Spider Man character in this movie is insane. I mean, I guess technically he is in it. Uh, archive footage, but spoiler alert, we'll get onto that. But yeah. it, it, it uh, I don't know, it just feels like it could have easily happened and it wouldn't ruined anything to do with the MCU. They, I don't know, something, <coughs> I reckon something happened that hasn't been discussed happened and they were like, no, we can't actually do it. It's not a case of we don't want to, it's a case of we can't. 
because it'll be it'll it'll all be to do with money and, and 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 control and power. Like Sony, remember when they tried to pull the deal earlier and said, "Oh, we don't really want to work with you anymore." Yeah, and then that they had was to come back together again, and that was such a hard hard moment because <clears throat> we thought Spider Man No Way Home wouldn't happen, and yeah, that was awful. Anyway. Woody Harrelson was initially hesitant to voice Carnage himself as he felt nervous about how he would be perceived by fans and critics. He even suggested that director Andy Serkis voice him instead as he's best known for his acting work than he is for directing, portraying Gollum in the Lord of the Rings series, Caesar in the Planet of the Apes trilogy and Snoke in the Star Wars sequel trilogy. The actor called his director the master of voices. And even though Carnage was full CGI, not motion capture, but the director insisted that he, he should be the one that voices Carnage, which Harrelson eventually came to enjoy. I don't think... I don't think it's worth that discussion. I don't think it matters in the slightest. No. It's unrecognisable. It's just a garbled voice that says a few things. It's, it's not like... It doesn't really matter. You know that's Tom Hardy going, Let me do. You know, that's def- you can tell it's definitely Tom Hardy because he's doing a silly voice. He's doing his own... <laughs> which is his career. This is his whole career. Like, That's why he loves that Ronnie Cray movie where he can oh, do two silly voices. Oh, you know, he loves whenever it. Whenever he's bringing a normal guy, he's, like, he's, he's got his big puppy house going, oh, no, I'm really vulnerable. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm, I'm down on my luck. And then suddenly, and then suddenly he just comes out with a silly voice. Bronson, silly voice. Bronson was <laughs> Cray classic. twins, two silly voices. I think... Bane, the silliest of voices. Oh, no, wait. Come on, come on, come on, come on. You'll think the darkness is your ally. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, I, I used to have a mask as well. I've done. I've I've done it for Halloween and Comic Con as Bane. Not as muscly though, but yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm going a silly man. He really is. He's a silly man, but that's his strength. Uh, <laughs> re- <laughs> release delays happened. Of course they did. Sony it's a can, Sony movie. Of course a, they it's did. A, it's a Sony. They realise at the end they haven't got a good film, and they're like, <laughs> "Oh no, <laughs> it's happened to us for a ninth time." I mean, it's not like uh, the latter X Men films where they just collapse from the inside. Oh god, this was just. Uh, I'm sure there's some COVID pressure as well going on. Oh yeah, COVID pressure. So basically, Sony confirmed in April that the film was scheduled to be released on October the second, two thousand and twenty, and was intended to keep that release date despite the pandemic. Later that month, the studio moved the film's release to June 25th, 2021, after that date became available due to other COVID-19-related delays. So, obviously, they wanted to get as much money as they could from cinema tickets. So, you know, that's what I imagine mm. it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, God, we're going to look back at this as a weird... Remember the writer's strike in America and how it affected TV shows? When did Black Widow come out? Can you do a quick Google search? Can you you do a quick Google search and find out the month? Just give us the Black Widow release date because I wonder if that affected things. Black Widow release date was June 29th, 2021. World premiere, yeah. So around that. So, so middle. Yeah. I remember watching it on Disney Plus. No, so so okay, yeah. uh, they didn't have that. Just because Tom Hardy is very evidently is evidently sorry very influential in the production of this movie. It's, it's his vehicle. I was wondering whether he saw that Black Widow situation and went, "You're not doing that to me." <laughs> that wouldn't well, surprise me. We've got to get this in the cinema so we can take in hundreds of millions, so I can make my nut. He's one of the um, producers. I just checked. Tom Hardy is one of the producers on this film. So oh, that's kind of, evident. Yeah, there we go. It's it's like it's like uh, Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible. It's his main. <clears throat> it's his and The Rock and any movie The Rock makes. Do you know what I was thinking about that? We're talking about like a quick, quick, quick tangent. Like The Rock. I like The Rock, but I've never actually watched a film and go, "This would be better if The Rock was in it." No, that the Fast and the Furious franchise was 
markedly improved by including The Rock. Okay, well, that's that's the only thing of his I haven't seen. Don't get me wrong. I bloody love me some Dwayne If you watch the original Jumanji movie... I've watched you the original... You think to yourself, this, this kind of needs The Rock. This movie needs The Rock. The reboot was a lot of fun, but I did not think... Well, obviously, I didn't think that at the time, but it's just like... Yeah, I, I created a, a horror-themed sequel to those that's that Jumanji reboot movie where they're all just massively effed up from having led these lives. Like, The yeah. Rock's character goes back to being a scrawny little kid, yeah. and he's he murders his way to try and get back into the game to be a perfect human again, that believing that all his sins will be cleansed when he become, when he's reborn as the perfect man in the game. And... Um, the 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 woman the the hot girl who had to live as uh, Jack Black just hot just traumatized for the rest of her life. <laughs> She's just absolutely traumatized. Won't go near a man. Can't look at anyone with facial hair. Just really really horrified. Anyway. I I would like to see that film. I know it'd be really good. I, bloody hell, you got some good ideas. Just got to wait for Jumanji to become public domain. You know. <laughs> anyway. In March 2021, the film's release was moved back again to September 17th, 2021, and then moved a week later to September 24th. In August 2021, amidst Delta variant surges in the United States, the film was delayed again to October 15th, 2021. By the end of the month, Sony was reportedly considering delaying the film to Morbius' release date of January 21st, 2022, following continued Delta variant surges and low box office returns for films released earlier in August. It's wow. just a rough time. I mean, you can't really lay an awful lot of these. Pro- and uh, Morbius had its own issues with delays that were were huge, and then COVID. But but you can't. I mean, it was just a, a rough time for all those movies coming out those years, man. I mean, by all means, go back and listen to our Morbius episode. We could, we could tell you more about it then. This is going to be interesting when we, when we gradually get through the <coughs> MCU films that were released during COVID. We're going to be re- not repeating, mm. but exploring this this uh, period so much. Uh, following the box office success of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings in early September, Sony moved the film's release date forward two weeks to October the 1st. So, the MCU sort of was not a... Sh- I don't want to say a shining beacon, like I'm, like I'm, you know, cheerleading. No, more MCU. like a canary in a mine. Is it, <laughs> ah, is it still go. Is it still going on? Yeah, right, yeah. okay, we'll follow uh, it in. We're fine. Everyone back in the hole. Uh, yeah. Tom Hardy received his first story credit for the film, making him the fourth person to receive writing credit for a comic book superhero film that he also starred in. Sorry, Chris- making him the what? Sorry, the fourth? The fourth person to receive writing credit for a comic book superhero film that he also starred in. I'm hoping you have the others, Will. I do, right? Oh, I want to hear this. Well, actually, I was about to say it's a mixed bag, but the first one is the only bad one. Uh, Christopher Reeve for Superman 4, The Quest for Peace in 1987. <sighs> That that is a rough one. That yeah. is a rough one. I mean, come on, Metropolis is not Milton Keynes. We all know that and accept that. Paul yeah. Rudd for Ant Man in 2015. Ryan mm-hmm. Reynolds for Deadpool 2 in 2018. Edward Norton rewrote Zach Penn's script for The Incredible Hulk in 2008, but did not receive a writing credit, apparently. Yeah, that's union rules stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think. I was about to say, with Paul Rudd and Ryan Reynolds, it's most likely because they kept improbbing and ad libbing. I imagine they are. No, I imagine they've. They're part of the screenwriters' guild. Ah, very. And Ed Norton probably isn't. I don't know. Um, those those things are 
Those unions are really well protected. I thought I was the one who was supposed to know about films, and you're the one supposed to know about Marvel. And then you go, well, technically, the contract's at the union. And I'm like, whoa. Because if I know it, I'll say it. But when you pause the show to ask me about two obscure names that I don't know about, you know, I've got to say, no, I don't know. It's not my job to know. This podcast (laughs) would be miles better if we were both aware of each other's blind spots. (laughs) I think one of us is already aware. (laughs) I know my job, and Uh, I know your job. This is true. They've only been doing it for two years, guys. Don't worry. Nearly three. Obviously professional. We'll get there eventually. Please please give us money on Patreon. Professional award-winning podcast. Definitely worth it. Running at just 97 minutes, that's one hour and 37 minutes. This is the shortest oh, superhero film to be released, was. excluding straight-to-video and or animated superhero movies since just, Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer in 2007, which ran for 92 minutes. Just watched yes. it. Just watched I like it, it. And it was over. It was brilliant. It was so good. It, I was, was, it was a story. It told its story, and then it ended. And I went, oh, I've got that, time to watch something else or do the laundry. It exactly. was great. I was chatting to you because we talk, we're, we're actually friends in real life, which is lovely. And I was <laughs> chatting to you about The Batman, and we had a re- really great discussion on it. But while oh. I, I probably love the film more than you did, even though you know you, you had your pros and cons, which is great. But the thing that stopped me from rewatching it is the fact it's three hours, and I'm like going, Stupid. I don't think I can do that. Films don't need to be three hours. Make yeah. a TV show. Don't get me wrong, loved it, but I can't do it. I can't even bring myself to bring, like, like get the family to watch it because it's not, it's not a fun film like uh, MCU. Or, anyway, last of all, the film's mid-credit scene was directed by Spider-Man No Way Home's director John Watts during production of that film. All oh, right, so when they were yeah. making No Way Home, they yeah. filmed those other scenes. Yeah, <clears throat> that makes sense, doesn't it? And then had it inserted into. Um... So there's a little bit of MCU going on here in yeah, the, in terms yeah, of in the Sony-verse. Yeah. Now, Will Preston, Mr. Hollywood, yes. I'm going to ask you to switch hats now. Okay. Because as we talked about, <clears throat> this character, this yes. Carnage character, absolutely huge in the 90s, um, and popularity obviously leads to this movie. Same with Venom. And one of the massive tentpoles of its popularity mm. is the fact that the character was so big it received you know the comic book story the, the massive comic book crossover story um received its its own video game adaptation that was a really big deal i remember the adverts on the tv i remember the adverts in the cinema they were just it was everywhere yeah um <clears throat> and you as our resident game expert we sent you as our roving reporter to track down the video game maximum carnage Dig out the history, give it a play, and feedback to us here. So uh, we're going to send uh, the rep- over to our roving reporter, Will Preston, uh, Johnny on the spot, as he takes a look at Maximum Carnage. Thanks, Tom. I'm standing outside GameStop in Colorado. No, sorry, that was very self-part of me. No, uh, I, I, what we should have done is had a jingle, but have a really bleepy, bloopy version of our Oh, right. I thought we should have like a, like a, a new 16, jingle. Like a 16-bit or 16-bit oh, right. bleepy, bloopy version of the theme tune. Maybe Dan has a MIDI keyboard Anyway, so I, I went oh, out. Oh, shout out Dan Walsh. Just had a little uh, little baby. Oh, um, very recently in the last day or so. Um, shout out to our wonderful, uh, the wonderful impresario who wrote and recorded our theme song and the new addition to his family. Lovely. Um, it'll be a long, long time before I get to meet that little one. But there we go. That'll be, oh, that'll be hopefully something we can catch up with. That's lovely to hear. Yes, I, uh, I, I you know, <clears> I'm a massive gamer. <throat> 
and I went into for this podcast. I went uh, back in back to sixteen bit and played Spider Man and Venom: Maximum Carnage on the SNES. So let I'll tell you a bit about this game. The popularity of Venom and Carnage led to a video game in the mid nineties based on the comic book story arc Maximum Carnage, which I believe we're going to be covering at some point. Stay tuned. Stage spoiler alert: The game features numerous heroes, including Spider-Man, Venom, and their allies from the comic books. Uh, sorry, Marvel Comics fictional universe like Captain America, Black Cat, Iron Fist, Cloak and Dagger, Deathlock, Morbius, and Firestar, all teaming up to battle an onslaught of villains led by Carnage, including Shriek, Doppelganger, Demo Goblin, and Carrion. The game was developed by Software Creations and published by Acclaim Entertainment for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, SNES, and the Sega Mega Drive slash Genesis. The first prints of the game for the Super NES and Genesis were sold in red-coloured cartridges. Later prints came in standard colour cartridges. They're so cool. They that, were just so cool. The it, red, I, the red Mega them. Drive cartridge. That is, that is incredibly good. I mean, I, I, I did, uh, did dive a bit further into this. Uh, very few games... Came in a different color cartridges back in the nineties. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember any. Oh yeah. Well, I'll, I'll get. On, I'll tell you what I found, then tell you from my experience. Only two other titles of the SNES had different color cartridges. There was Killer Instinct, which came in black, and uh, the Port of Doom, which came in red. Which I think was a bit <coughs> too overambitious for not a great port of one of the greatest games of all time. Oh, right. Sorry. Yes, I was thinking Mega. I was like saying, but but the cartridges were already black. But you're saying Super Nintendo cartridges, Super Nintendo, which are gray. traditionally grey. I was thinking Mega Drive, Mega Drive, because I played Mega Drive as a kid. If if like me, you had an N64. There are also other uh, coloured cartridges. I think Turok Two Seeds of Evil came on a black cartridge, and oh, I think uh, there was a Zelda game that had a limited run with gold <coughs> cartridges. So. I, I tell you what, there was there was a lot of fun to be had with just changing the color of the pads of the game. That was fine, and I don't need that anymore. I like standard black controllers or anything. I don't I don't want that. But the, at the time in the nineties, this was exciting. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was, no, it's, it's like when um, when record labels will bring out a colored vinyl. Um, they used oh, to do that back in the day. I used to love yeah. all that. They I used still to have do that. Still do that. I used to have um, a. Uh, police live uh, recording, or as they're now known, Sting, on a uh, a record shaped like a police badge. Oh, um, you're not cut, the only one. They're, they're, called, they're called the cutout. Yeah. Um, so yeah. It's, it's not it's not a circle. It's uh, it's not a disc. It's cut out. So yeah. it, it play. It was uh, yeah, yeah. Had to sell it. Had to I, sell I, it. I tell you, I tell you, the police were brilliant in their day. There's some classic albums. Anyway, we're talking about classic gaming. The game's release had a massive, massive advertising campaign, including dramatic adverts that played on TV and in movie theaters, as well as <coughs> promotional merchandise. Uh, sorry, promotional merchandise and free tie-in comic books. Did you ever see? Uh, I know you, you never saw the. the you know, we're not aware of any of this when you were a kid. Did you have you tracked down and seen the the advert? I, I rewatched I, it recently and, and remembered it. Sadly, no, I didn't track down the adverts. It has this kind of black and white shots of New York City with people running and screaming. Uh, Oh. And the sky is blood red, and they use this this comic book um, image of carnage kind of over the skies of Manhattan, cackling yeah. and laughing, and people like, and it, and it's it, it just has this this uh, dramatic voiceover as well of like chaos, bloodshed, yeah. um, violence, suspicion, 
and that's just New York. And it all it all gets even worse when Carnage comes around. Um, yeah, they played that in, in, in on telly and on, in, in, in cinemas and stuff, movie this, theaters. This was back when adverts for video games were way more spectacular than the actual video game. What it made me think of was some of the adverts that Bill Murray's character comes up with in Scrooged. Oh, I was thinking just that. Like, That's exactly what it felt yeah. like, because it's because people yeah. running and screaming and then saying, like, violence, aggression on the streets. And then and that's all before Carnage shows. I was like, this is really intense and over the top. Man, absolutely Extreme! Now, it's the nineties. Extreme! We're so extreme. We're going to take the first E out because we're on the move and we're very busy with our. Schedules. We're going to take the first what out? E in the word extreme. Oh right, 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 right. At the start, <laughs> yeah, and have tood instead of attitude. <laughs> That's what the turtles had. Oh yeah. However, the game received mixed reviews upon its release. But in later years, reviews have been more positive, and it is regarded as one of the better Spider-Man games in the 16-bit era. Uh, not not that there were a, a load of Spider-Man games at that time, there were quite a few. It was a monster hit, though, selling incredibly well and spinning off another symbiote-themed sequel titled Venom slash Spider-Man Separation Anxiety. Did you ever play that one at all, Rob, or did you ever hear that one? Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, played that. Any good? Um, it had. I, I don't really. I, I couldn't. I. I can't tell you. Mm. I was a kid. I. I couldn't. I, there's no way of me saying it was good. Like I don't. I don't remember any games being whether they were good or bad. I played video games because I was a kid and I liked video games. I yeah. don't ever. I don't remember playing a game and going, "Oh, this is a good game." It yeah. was. It was generally this game's really hard. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, kind of it. How how hard it was, or or whatever. Like, and I liked any superhero game and any wrestling game because those were the things I liked. Did, so did, it yeah. just kept kept giving me. Oh, I know this character. Oh, I know this story. Yeah. Oh, this is fun. You know, it it, it so yeah. Um, Separation anxiety features a whole bunch of um, different symbiotes. Um, I. Uh... It makes me think of the 90s that something happened that's kind of like this that they stopped doing after 32-bit consoles onwards uh, back when they had the Sega Mega Drive and stuff that almost all major action films had a movie tie-in game. Sure, Because they, yeah. they were easy to quickly pump out to coincide with the release games were yeah. to make back then. And like it was so good like, to the point the Simpsons were really getting onto it and taking the mick out of it. Like You had an arcade game based on the film My Dinner with Andre. <laughs> Do you remember that bit? Right, no. No, you've seen My Dinner with Andre. I've seen My Dinner with Andre and I've seen The Simpsons. I don't remember that one specific joke, I'm afraid. You have, you have a, you have, it's the arcade machine, they're both for dinner, and you have like a joystick, and it's like, Enchanté, tell me more Bon, bon Insights <laughs> or Trance Insights. <laughs> so anyway, anyway that's, that's how it was back then. You would get these properties turning into video games very quickly. Um, Maximum Carnage is one of the first video games to be directly based on a comic book story rather than using comic characters in a standard video game. I remember that massively. The cutscenes were like digitized art of the comic or something. It was this. I know we read the story, so it was the story. I. Obviously, I've never read the comics. I'm, I'm contractually obliged not to. Uh, <coughs> I, when I was playing it, I was like, yeah, this feels like a Marvel comic. This feels like they've just digitized the comic. It was also the... Uh, let's see, many of the game's cutscenes were featured as semi-animated versions of the art taken directly from the comics. It was also the first Spider-Man video game to receive a teen rating, while the SNES re-release oh. had a rating of K-A. The Genesis version was rated MA-13. 
Yeah. That's interesting. I guess, yeah, it was. It was. I mean, the themes are. It's a serial killer. He's killing yeah. people. Yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's quite, quite heavy. Although back then, those kind of ratings on video games were ineffective. Let's, mm. let's face it. Unless you had like a proper BBFC rating system or whatever. Uh, yeah, people just ignored them. Anyway, enough about that. I actually played the game. Uh, I cheekily there we go. It's had, what we want to know. Yeah. Yeah. I cheekily did it on an emulator on my Steam Deck. Boo, Boo. Illegal. I, I know people are gonna like shout at me for not having the actual thing, but I had to do it. I, I needed to have the experience of the podcast, and this is my experience. At the start, there was horrible MIDI hard rock music uh, at the start. Explain to younger listeners what what MIDI music was. Okay, uh, MIDI music is basically uh, it's basically digital the, music. The technology didn't exist to play a song yeah. in a computer game. You couldn't the proper so, like proper music. It just the space, the memory of the cartridge and everything, and the computer just wasn't big enough to have the actual music play. So what you basically had was a bunch of uh, like a, like code that would just say, just play this note using this instrument that's agreed upon by... So, that, that's already loaded into the system. So the music would be like... Yeah. It would take a, a, an actual song and condense it into a series of, of like beeps. It was really weird. It's really weird. I mean, it's impressive how it worked. And from then on, MIDI music has got a lot more advanced, etc. But for back then, you know, it did what it needed to do. But man, it was awful. Uh, the opening cutscene is similar to the film Venom with Carnage and Shriek joining forces in love uh, game itself is a standard scrolling beat-em-up a genre a genre of game that I love and, and, and has pretty much disappeared after the 90s yeah it did didn't it but it has been brought back in you know you know, there's always been this craze of retro gaming and they're making new games in the retro style they did the other I think in the last 10 years they did Streets of Rage 4 which hmm. was a sequel to it but like looked more shiny and like uh, a three D beat scroller. Well, it's still two D, oh, but right. the characters look a lot more detailed, mm. and the animation's way better. And it just it, everything. It's like it's like going back and making a song that sounds like the eighties, but with better production values. And then you had one which uh, a fa- one I really love, which is very violent, called Mother Russia Bleeds, and that's just like uh, Streets of Rage, except it takes place in alternate history, late eighties Moscow, and it's very very satisfying. But yeah, anyway, that that genre. Has pretty much disappeared. However, uh, the enemies in the game look different, but don't vary in attacks. Uh, I was quite bored with the enemies. They just come at you, they punch, uh, and then you got to punch them. There's no it, Streets of Rage had so much variation of sliding kicks, ru- you know, jumping uh, somersaults. Yeah, and stuff. that's and, true. Yeah. yeah, in this game, it was just run, at, walk at you with, uh, with hands up and punch, and that was your chance to punch them back until <laughs> they stopped moving. Uh, the first boss fight was Dana and Lizzie, two incredible 90s dressed women who are just aren't good at fighting, because uh, obviously I beat them. Uh, these aren't characters from the Marvel comics, are they? Cause Dana they... and Lizzie don't ring nope. a bell. Nope, I don't think but, so. Um, when, when we tackle Maximum Carnage, it, it might become clear what that's about. Ah, okay, I look forward to that. So I have a, I have a, a confession that I actually gave up on the second level which involved the worst oh. web swinging of all time, and it did help. So, it did, not a true gamer. Not, but this was mainly because I had been obsessively playing Spider-Man Remastered, uh, which had the most amazing web swinging physics ever, and I just wasn't ready for this. It just <laughs> my expectations were in a different area. But I did uh, watch the rest of the game, a long play video of the game, which was completed in under an hour. 
Uh, Cloak and Dagger interrupt a fight to help Spidey, which was fun. Uh, Spidey fights Demogoblin in Times Square, which sounds great, but on the video game, looks very (laughs) underwhelming. It's a standard two-lane street with light-up yeah. signs. Does yeah. not look like Times no, Square. No, no, that's what Times Square looks like. That's what no, Times no, no, Square. No. It's just it two-lane street. That's it. it. It looks like the red light district. <laughs> that's what it looked like. And when Venom is introduced, you can choose to play as the symbiote, and the action switches from New York to San Francisco for a level. I remember that being re- a really big attraction. You could play as Venom for the first time. Yeah, it, it looked really good. I mean, the first level with Venom <clears throat> is tilted upward. So, yeah, like, of course, yeah. So, yeah, you have to run uphill like in San Fran, which is a great touch. And the next level takes Venom to Central Park in New York to face against Shriek and Doppelganger with Carnage watching the fight. A later level sees Spider-Man and Venom break into the Fantastic Four's lab as well as the Statue of Liberty. And the final fight against Carnage is outside his old boy's home. Let's take a look at what was happening in the world when this movie came out. Let's go all the way back in our time machine to 2021. <clears throat> it was a lockdown in a lot of places. COVID was everywhere. I don't want to dwell on that. Um, and of course, we did we start this podcast in 0, no, we, in 01? I think we did, didn't we? Or did we start it in 2020? 2020 we started, yeah. 2020. So we have been rocking and rolling. Um, uh, we had the free Britney. Like, Britney Spears was eventually released from her legal conservationship after 13 year court battle um that was a, a hell of a situation and it seemed like it was really brought to the world's attention by a lot of her fans on instagram and twitter with hashtag free britney um in tv we had squid game 2021 was a year of squid game man <laughs> this was i was i binged i put it off for ages and then eventually yeah. relented binged it had an incredible time. Um, South Korean import that was on Netflix, Squid Game, quickly became Netflix's most streamed show by a landslide. And it dominated pop culture. Um, yeah. Fan theories, reaction videos, TikToks, Halloween costumes. It was massive. You, you like enjoy the show? I, I loved it. I loved it so much. <clears throat> and like any time, like this happened really with Stranger Things and everything else like this. Whenever a new show comes out and everyone's going, oh my God, it's amazing. I, I hold back. Because I'm, lo- I'm like, uh, no. sometimes it's hard to, to find time in the schedule of what you're planning to watch and do to, for, oh. for something you don't know if how you're going to react to it. Yeah, plus I'm always used to people like uh, go hyping up things way too much, <clears throat> so I, 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 would, I hold back. I was the same at the end of last year with Traitors on BBC. Everyone's um, been going on about that. I, I put it off for as long as possible, and I was like, so many people who I think, oh. Like they're not someone I'd expect to have been into it, so I watched it and just like goggled it absolutely. I I binged the whole uh the whole like yeah all episodes except for the final. I binged in a two day period and then watched the final. Loved it. Had a great time. My my favorite tally of last year it was incredible. Um, I, I have I have people that I trust upon you included that if you say overwhelming praise about a tv show or film it goes on my list you do have to have you do it, it's like it's not a drama yeah. it's like a reality based kind of competition so you have to like that um 2021 was like we had the, the there was a, a massive year for the uh there was the big friends reunion tv show where all they all came back together and talked about friends that was a big deal um we had uh prince harry and Meghan markle on the oprah 
kind of not the Oprah Winfrey show because that was done, but she did a special interview with them, didn't she? Where yeah, um, yeah. they all sorts of revelations were made that there was a lot of strained relationship. The royal family didn't seem to like Meghan Markle. Um, she'd uh, received all sorts of hassle from the press and the media and the family. And there was this awful thing that someone in the in the royal family mm. had raised concerns about how dark their child's skin would be. Ooh, yeah. I, the racist uh, royal family, they're good for nothing. Still, um, still going on now, this whole thing. Indeed. Still going on to this very day. There was the accidental slash negligent shooting on the set of the Rust movie, the Alec Baldwin, yeah. the, oh, the prop that gun awful. that ended up having a live round in it shot. Yeah. Um, cinematographer uh, Hal, Hal, Halina Hutchins, um, she was killed, and director uh, Joel Souza was in the hospital. Um, and I believe that uh, the police investigation or the court case thing was, was kind of going on even too recently, wasn't it? Um, it's still, it's still be, it was a massive day, and it's still going on. And it's just in oh, the music God. world. Olivia Rodrigo made her um, made two, 2021 like her own. Really, this 18 year old singer uh, released this song, "Driver's License," red light. Which was just massive, viral hit, TikTok, YouTube, everything else went on to be streamed over a billion times that year. Um, do you remember that song coming out? I am very bad at new music. Right, okay. Isn't simple okay. Um, Adele also released her new album, Thirty. Um, I don't know if you remember the PR campaign in the build-up to this, mate. Rings a bell. Like Again, lan- iconic iconic landmarks all over the world suddenly yeah. had billboards and signs and things that just said the number thirty all over the world. It oh, was, yes, I remember. And then and then the, the kind of speculation built because Adele tends to name her albums after how old she is when they are released or whatever. Um and lo and behold it came out, became the, the biggest singing album the biggest selling album of two thousand twenty one. Um even though it came out like in October. Like, it didn't have a lot of time to... Yeah, it was amazing. Um, In the cinema world, uh, No Time to Die, but the final nail in Daniel Craig's James Bond. I thought Um, Spectre did that already, but that's another thing. (laughs) We had uh, John Cena join the Fast and the Furious franchise in F9. Um, The Snyder Cut was released... <laughs> um, Suicide Squad saw James Gunn join the DC Speaking Universe for the first films. time and have fun. Fun in the DC Universe. Can you imagine it? Um, I uh, I really enjoyed the Suicide Squad. And indeed, fantastic. Uh, One of my favourite movies of, yeah, of, lovely. of uh, the last few Very years. Cool. Loved it. Uh, Marvel released Black Widow, but not in mm. cinemas, leading to a, a, a legal battle with Scarlett Johansson over her promised pay. Yeah. Um, Marvel also released in the MCU Shang-Chi. The uh, Shang-Chi, sorry, The Eternals and Spider-Man No Way Home, which became the biggest movie of the last two years, Mm. as Will discussed earlier. We also had the return of Benifer. (laughs) J-Lo, split from Alex Rodriguez, back with Batman. An incredible way to uh, to wrap up 2021. A big, big year um, as uh, as our movie hits hits the screens. Let's take a little... Let's take a little trip behind the page now, though, Will. Yeah. As we look at Venom and Carnage. Um, Venom, a character created in the the late 1980s to be um, a very new kind of villain for Spider-Man. Kind of like the ultimate Spider-Man villain, maybe. A dark and twisted mirror image of Spidey. Um, In the same way that there's a lot more of it in DC comics. Like, Superman has Bizarro. 
Green Lantern has Sinestro, the Flash has the reversed Flash. You know, the power set is kind of mirrored, the appearance is is mirrored. Not a huge amount of it in Marvel, but a really good idea for Spider-Man. Um, they took the black costume, spun it off, created a new character, and created kind of like a, a mm. bigger, stronger, evil Spider-Man. But as the 90s hit, and Venom's popularity had just really intensified... Marvel Comics needed to make Venom a lead character, a protagonist, in order for them to be able to properly capitalize on all that popularity, um, to create a you know a comic book series to spin him off into an animated series, whatever you might want to do with it, and that kind of means shifting Venom over from a villain into the hero slash anti-hero role. Um, mm. Venom's popularity in the late 80s and the early 90s should not be overlooked. It's the reason why we have these movies. I mean, Dis- it's up there with the Punisher at one point, isn't it? They were, they're quite the breakout character themselves. It's one of my next points. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> guys, I just... I, it's like this is his... It keeps happening. It's like he forgets how the show works. So despite the fact the character really dropped off big time in the late 90s and after that and Eddie Brock stopped being Venom for the next few decades the the popularity of the character in this first burst captivated mm. millions of people sold tons of comic books toys merchandise and if you think of this period of time late 80s early 90s the most popular characters that aren't Spider-Man were mm. these kind of violent anti-hero characters Wolverine Punisher, the new Ghost Rider, Cable, and and Venom, and we've kind of charted on this podcast a lot of those huge bursts in in, in popularity in 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 our previous episodes. So Venom now, if he's going to move into this heroic role, this protagonist role, needs a character that would help shift the perception of him, a villain of his own that would kind of sh- help shift him towards being an anti-hero. Um, David Michelani, um, the writer who co-created um, Venom, envisioned a new symbiote character, um, originally going to be called Chaos, and then later Ravager, um, very 90s comic book character names, um, and uh, Michelani said at this time, I wanted to point out, because some people missed this, that one of the important elements of Venom is that he is a moral character. It's a twisted morality. Mm. It's insane morality. But he has this ethical moral code. And a lot of people missed that. They just thought he was insane and wanted to kill people. If I introduced a character who was the 180 degree opposite of Venom, someone who had as much power and similar abilities, but no sense of morals, no sense of ethical behavior, who simply worshipped chaos, that contrast would make Venom's morality stand out more. Um, the, the character in question's name was eventually changed from Chaos and Ravager to Carnage, and he debuted in 1992, which was the biggest year ever in the sales of comic books. Um, <laughs> huge, huge, huge sales across the board in superhero comics. And Marvel was under a lot of pressure at the time from the explosion of kind of the the superhero comic book market and especially the fact that it moved in a very more kind of adult and aggressive way with these characters. Mainly from their, their brand new competitor, Image Comics, which launched in 1992. Very briefly, Image Comics was founded by a collection 
of Marvel and DC's most popular artists mm. who were driving millions in comic book sales. These artists were sick and tired of playing by Marvel and DC's rules and not being paid and compensated appropriately. So they just had a mass walkout of both companies. And as Marvel and DC wondered, well, if they're going to leave us, where are they going to go? There's no other company. These artists formed their own company called Image Comics. And Image Comics was able to capitalize on this kind of, like the 80s with the with the bloodthirsty anti-hero decade. You've only got to look at the movies. Oh, yeah. um, and all these kind of aggressive, gun-toting hero characters that shoot first and ask questions later. And that bled over into comic books massively. That's why we had Punisher and Ghost Rider and Wolverine mm. and stuff. Image Comics was able to capitalize on that upswing, that trend for these kind of violent anti-hero characters. They were able to capitalize like no other because they didn't have to obey the comic code authority. They had ah. no rules on violence, on swearing, on aggression, on sexualized poses and stuff. Um, they didn't have to make family-friendly stories for kids. So Image Comics would publish characters like Spawn and Savage Dragon, which feature lots of hyper-aggression, lots of violence, lots of kick-ass and swearing and stuff, and scantily drawn women. The company also featured a lot of rip-offs of Cable, Punisher, and Wolverine. Tons of, like... There's a lot to be said about Image Comics. Mm. And there is a lot of ingenuity in there and innovation, but there's an awful, an awful lot of these guys are artists, not writers. And yeah. so an awful lot of their characters are this guy's essentially Deadpool, this guy's essentially Wolverine, this guy's essentially Cable. Um, I have uh, got a lot of image comics at home, like The Walking Dead and other things. A lot, a lot well, that's very stuff. different. That's very different. That came yeah, I've, I've read my fair share, but I know exactly what you the, mean. The it's early 90s stuff is, is yeah. bonkers. Um, and, but, but even though these are rip-offs, characters, uh, these characters, kids could not get enough of these characters, even though they are just rip-offs of Wolverine, Punisher, Cable. So Carnage is like a clear response to these pressures. A clear response to the move to try and create a, 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 a you know a villain for for for, for for Venom, but also the pressures coming from this brand new competitor to introduce like a a hyper violent new character. They had to they really had to have either loads and loads of guns like Cable and, and mm. Punisher, or they had to have bladed weapons like yeah. like Wolverine. They had to, um, and it worked. Carnage was an insanely popular character in the 90s. The, the, the character design and the original artwork from Mark, Mark Bagley leapt off the page. Um, Bagley is the definitive Spider-Man artist of the 90s, and having him draw Venom and Carnage is something real special. Uh, I, no, Tom McFarlane is definitive of the 80s. Yeah, Bagley is of the 90s. Mm, okay, <laughs> let's move on, Rob. Um, shut the voices up in your head and move on. In 1993, Marvel based this huge crossover event around Carnage called Maximum Carnage. 14 mm. issues long, dominated the summer of 1993. That's going to be our big bonus episode in this month in January. Me and Will taking a deep dive into Maximum Carnage. This event, this comic book event, is so popular, it crossed over into tons of other forms of entertainment and media. Um, the Toy Biz launched a highly successful line of Maximum Carnage action figures, Spider-Man, Venom, Carnage. Um, Universal Studios, for Halloween, transformed their entire Marvel Island section of the theme park, which is huge, into like a giant 
open air walk around haunted haunted house based on like basically maximum carnage theme park oh my god and you walk, people would walk through it, and the idea is Carnage had killed all the superheroes at Universal Studios, and now the streets <laughs> were were just ran by criminals and muggers and Carnage and Shriek and all these vill- vill- villains. It was something else, man. And that as Will said, awesome. yeah, right. And as Will said, the story was also adapted into this mega popular video game character, a video game uh, which which came with a huge promotional campaign, um, and Carnage becomes. A character in the smash hit Spider-Man animated series not long after. Whatever way you look at it, Carnage is the most popular villain of the most popular decade in superhero comics, the 90s. Without a doubt. To put it in context, Thanos had his big moment in the 90s. It's the same decade that we get Infinity Gauntlets and its spin-offs were published. There was no special Thanos action figure line. There was no Thanos theme park. There was no Thanos video game. Carnage was the villain of the decade, the 90s. Hitting on that that decade's zeitgeist of the bad guys who were chaotic, extreme, and nihilistic for the sake of it. We've not had a response to a, a, a movie like this in a long, long time. This might be the best response we've ever had. From, like, like Everyone wants to talk to us about this this movie, about this character, about the video game. Um, so, Will, I know you've got a massive mailbag to get through. Um, so uh, let's, This entire let's room is from, a mailbag. <laughs> let's hear what people had to say. Right, let's get through this. Zach Thomas wrote in to say, You know, I was quite excited for this movie. And I have to say, I did enjoy it, but it wasn't very good. Now, Zach, what does that mean? <laughs> I enjoyed it, but it wasn't very good. Like, I don't well, think that's... If, if you enjoy something, then surely it's been good. The, 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 the great thing about letters, Rob, is they are usually more than one sentence. Okay, okay. He continues. <laughs> the movie felt like a movie that was supposed to be a serial superhero action movie, but turned into a weirdly paced rom-com between Venom and Eddie. The final battle of the movie was boring, and a screen of red goo fighting black goo just doesn't quite make for the best viewing experience, but that's hard to avoid with the characters. Don't get me wrong, there were good parts though. I thought Venom making Eddie breakfast was delightful, and I did like Cletus, but the movie just felt rushed and poorly put together. I pictured Carnage to be the crazy serial killer that he is in the comics, and there was really none of that. Sort of a letdown, but props to Sony for trying. Happy New Year's, everyone. Uh, Happy New Year, Zach. I have to Happy say, I don't agree. In all of all the like outside of the MCU, I tend to find final battles in 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 these in these superhero movies always to be a bit of a letdown, disappointing. I really mm. liked this final battle. I thought ah. it was really. I thought it was good. I thought there was a lot going on. It was interesting. It was exciting. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was. It was. Yeah, different. I, I think it, it was, was bad. better than I was expecting. Oh, the, the movie was better than I was expecting, but we'll get onto that. I, um... Ah! I, I don't know. I'll, I'll, we'll get onto all my opinions later. Meanwhile, David Nicklin said, Whilst I have seen this film, it seems it was so forgettable, I can't really remember much about it. The character of Carnage is very different from me, though. 
as it was as it as it was the maximum carnage storyline that got myself and my brother into reading marvel comics in the first place while rereading it, it now is a mixed bag it really it really just a load of massive fights when i was 11 it opened my eyes to so many characters spider-man venom carnage captain america cloak and dagger black cat morbius as well as buying tons of spider-man comics after that i ended up getting comics about other characters in the storyline such as night watch I believe he got his costume from a future version of himself, and Deathlock, a cyborg with his own time travel issues. While I was excited to finally see Carnage on the big screen, for me, both him and Venom just didn't really make sense without Spidey involved, and my lukewarm feelings about those films reflect that. I think you hit the nail on the head there at the yeah. end, uh, David. Yeah, I uh, it, I don't think any of a character's villains make sense without the, the character. There you go. Absolutely agreed. Uh, Bindi wasn't too keen on the film as well. So Carnage was my favourite villain in the 90s, and I got into reading comics when the Maximum Carnage series came out. What a touchstone this is, man. Yeah. For so many people. Like, we... we Some of these people, we know they listen to every episode. They don't reach out and talk to us about the latest M- big MCU film that we know they've enjoyed. This character... And this storyline and this video game was a touchstone for so for like a generation. Oh, it's no, really I, I interesting. Really interesting. My big gripe about the film was there was a mismatch with how much psych psych How would you say this word? Psycho- that's not a word. Psy, psych, psycho- psychopathy. Psychopathy. I don't think that's a word, Bindi. Maybe I'm I don't wrong. know. I, I I was going to pronounce it psychopo- psychopathy or something. I think, I think the think problem psych- is it's not a word. Psycho. <laughs> How much psychopathy occurs with Carnage being like a variation of the Joker in the comics, an adulterating madness that can't be reasoned with. And it's a romance story between two unhinged people, which seemed off about how the how they brought Carnage and Shriek in. I wish they went all out with Tom Holland and a killing spree. Yeah. 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 I, I just but I I I I I I think you're all gonna be disappointed. It's isn't it weird how a comic book that has no age restriction on it at all yep. can seemingly cater to all these people's desires for a psycho and a killing spree, right? Yeah. There is not tons of blood and guts in the in those movies, in those comic books, sorry, in the 90s. Yeah. It's implied. It's, it's implied and you don't see it, but it definitely happened. Yeah. They are kill sprees. They're able to depict it. But when you come over to do a movie that's going to have like a 15 rating or whatever, suddenly, oh, I don't think we can do it. Suddenly, they're not able to depict it in a way that a comic book that a six-year-old can read was able to do it. Um, I've seen way more horrible violence in comics than I've ever seen in a film. Oh yeah, man! I remember. I'm a I'm a I'm a kid, and people want me to. They think I like comic books. They think I want to read the Beano and the Dandy and the Buster. <laughs> it's real hard. You open that 2000 AD yes. and see peep a, 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 a ship or a space station like breaking down, people's heads exploding in space, yeah. and you're like, yeah, this is. I just picked this off a shelf, and on this yeah. on this page is a fully naked woman in the. Celtic warrior slain adventure strip. I, I, I am a I am a child, sir. Why have you sold this to me? I have to say, 2000 AD was quite the eye opener when you were venturing forward from Beano and Dandy. That was really yep. yeah full. And I've still got a subscription uh, to this day. Uh, I do love that magazine. Anyway, back to the mailbag. John Kerr was disappointed. Was really disappointed with the casting. I'd heard rumours that he'd been set uh, been played by. Uh, 
Walton Goggins or Jackie Earl Haley, and I think they set me up for disappointment. I remember being introduced to Carnage in the 90s and immediately thinking he had the coolest designed action figures. They also put a lot into his animations in the video games and really established how much of a threat he was. In the movie, he was presented as a mental dude with some superpowers that was a wee bit more threatening than Venom. It was quite underwhelming. I remember my brother and cousin being excited about his appearance in the comic books. His design was great because he was like a streamlined version of Spidey, although his features were exaggerated and I liked the different things he could form with his tendrils. I think what disappointed me about the movie was that he didn't seem to like an he didn't seem like an authentic, calculating serial killer. It was too theatrical and over the top. I have to say to John Kerr, um, having reread a whole bunch of Carnage stuff in the 90s for this episode, Carnage is never a calculating serial killer. Like his first <laughs> victim, he chooses at random from a phone book. Um, oh. And it's an awful His whole thing is random, random killings. That's his whole thing. It's not. Okay. He's not. This is not like Matt Reeves' Riddler. This is not a guy planning things. He walks down the street and kills whoever's around him because he thinks it's funny and fun. Um, but I do think there's a massive disconnect between the character in the in the comics and and the video game and what we're seeing in this movie. Yeah, well, I'm absolutely getting that. However, commenting on the '90s video game Maximum Carnage, Luke Martin said to me. This is Carnage, not that cheap red version of Venom they branded as Carnage in the second movie. I all I enjoyed Venom too, but it was far from what it should have been, should have and could have been. I always felt Carnage was one of the main villains to Spidey, hence why back in the day he had video games based off of him, all the comics and a good range of action figures. But I felt his adult rated rated origin pushed him behind the likes of Doc Ock and Green Goblin, amongst others, in later years. Just my thoughts. Uh, again, like this guy is a star. Essentially, this character is a big star to uh, Luke Martin because mm. of video games, the action figures, the merchandise, yeah. and all of that. Yeah, Jordan Ducharme. Yeah, Good. I don't know. I'm just going to say yes. So you keep reading. Sure. I don't want to be punched. Uh, Carnage rules. Venom already. No one with a surname Ducharme is going to punch you. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, when, you're, when it's two middle-class people together, there's still, there's still a hierarchy of punching. Uh, Venom already felt a tear above your normal Spidey villain, and then Carnage came around and was so much stronger, it forced them to team together. I loved their stuff in the 90s cartoon saga, and read like a 12-part comic series all about Carnage and his and this crew he puts together versus Spidey Venom, and it ruled too. Talking about Maximum Carnage there without knowing it yet, that's right. Sorry, so yeah. That's right, Jordan, you're bang on. The recent movie was... Poo, in my opinion. <laughs> Not just dog poo, dog poo. poo. Dog poo. <laughs> just like the first Venom. They look cool, but that's about it. The whole vibe feels totally off the mark. On well, the thank you, Jordan. Of, yeah. They, well, thank you, Jordan. On the character of Carnage, Danny Buckler said, I always felt like Venom to the extreme for me. He's better used as a Venom villain than a Spider-Man one. I don't like seeing Spider-Man deal with serial killers. It just feels off that is i really that really resonate with me i i i don't i, I don't like it either there's something i don't like it's yeah. like seeing kermit the frog's legs i don't it's i, like I don't seeing kermit the like, frog's legs. it's just it's unnatural <laughs> reality feels like it's shaking a bit no thank yeah. you yeah even worse when you see kermit the frog's legs walking awful there's, yeah it's like sat down just put a small wall in front of him that's what it, we want could, Kermit, mate, when you're walking around down the street, when you're getting your paper, 
could you bring a small wall and constantly yeah, put it in times. front of your legs so yeah. you don't scare the children? <laughs> I did enjoy Venom 2 more than the first. Enjoyed Woody Harrelson in the role, but found my mind drifting to alternate castings during it. Thank you, Danny. Last of all, King Canuck graced us with his presence. What can I say about Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage? To start off, I think that in this bizarro world, where Sony has decided to make Venom a solo protagonist without Spidey, this dynamic of a very exhaustive investigative reporter bonding with a very hungry and eager monster is a lot of fun, and I really enjoyed that dynamic, even if it's very strange for comic fans. I thought Woody Harrelson was a lot of fun as Cletus Cassidy, even if he felt one note. Isn't that the point, 90s character joke? And I appreciate... Look, he's not wrong. Cletus Cassidy yeah. is a one-note character. And there are, I'm sure there are modern stories that do all sorts of... Oh, but it, like, 90s, like this villain was not meant to be fully yeah. realised. It was... That's he's sad. crazy and he has a red symbiote and he murders people. Go. That sounds about right. And I appreciate it that they didn't feel the need to explain why Shriek can do what she does. She just can. The breakup plot was downright hilarious, and I enjoy this very gay-coded dynamic Venom has going on. While I prefer canon gay characters to be canonically gay, the way Venom talks about being over-ready like a breakup and the way the crowd goes with him is just brilliant. That really resonated for me as well. Yeah. I thought that was um, an interesting and fun scene, yeah. Very fun, because like, like, even I'm there going, you know, kind of like going, oh, I'd like it if Venom was a bit darker and not so funny. But with this film, I was like... Yeah, I'm going in knowing it's going to be funny. And then it's like, oh, it actually played to its strengths in this film. I actually like the funny mm. bits. So uh, I'm not sure I care about seeing more of these characters, but I do enjoy the idea of placing Andrew Garfield in this universe alongside Sony's villain films. For the love of God, make them fight Spider-Man, even if he's the antagonist to their movies. Now, for some reason... Uh, thank you, King. Oh, you've got, you've got more to say. But... I like, I did not read this letter ahead of time. I had that thought mm. ages ago that once we get Garfield back, like, wouldn't it be fun to just reveal yeah. that the Venom universe is the Amazing Spider-Man universe? That would have been like oh, Sony. Like, it was right got, there. Sony. If you got the character, like, it. it wouldn't. It's not a big. You don't have to introduce dimension jumping. You could just be that happened a long time ago, ten years ago, whatever, fifteen years ago. This has happened now. And then there's a way to have them do some fun stuff. You could do. I mean, look at what DC did. You had what you had two different versions of Batman within a couple of years of each other. You had the, the Snyder Cut of the Justice League with with Batfleck, and then you had um, then you had the Batman with your fella from the Lighthouse and uh, the Twinkly Guy. I I do wonder well, if there's, there's probably something. Um, contractual that that essentially says uh, you can't true. do a competing Spider-Man movie. Uh, I imagine that's probably part of it. Anyway, last bit of the King's Letter. I'm pretty sure my first encounter was the PlayStation 1 Spider-Man game in which Venom directly calls calls it his other and Carnage is later warned by Doc Ock in one terrifying boss battle. Oof. Thank you, King Canock. Thank you to everyone that got in touch to talk about this um, this really cool time in in Marvel comics and Marvel history, um, and this this character that's been so important to so many people. You can always get in touch with us, Marvel versus Marvel at gmail dot com, or you can uh, send us a tweet on Twitter at Marvel versus. Um, 
Of course, the very cool, awesome people know that the place to go is patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. We are covering Maximum Carnage as our bonus episode this month. A massive deep dive, me and Will, going into this huge Spider-Man Venom Carnage story involving all sorts of cool Marvel characters. Big shout out to Peter J, Brandon Spigilski, Randall Schmidt, Zach Thomas, Bastabeer, Sam, Bindi, and Sue P, the top of the tree, the supporters that help keep the lights on around here. Now, listen, guys, you tune in every week. You download every single show we make. We're talking, you guys listening to three hours of us on Thor Ragnarok, two hours on She-Hulk, two hours on Planet Hulk, three and a half hours on Jessica Jones. The history, the context, the deep dive. You or an MVM fan. That's why you're here every week. And yet, you're still not doing the right thing. You're still not stepping up, not supporting the show that matters to you so much. Like We're not some big company. It's just me and Will. If you yeah. want to steal from Amazon, from Spotify, from Apple, go ahead. We'll hand you the crowbar and keep the engine running. They are, face- <laughs> <laughs> they are faceless victims. We don't care. But... This podcast requires days of work to put everything together, to research, to write, to produce and edit, record. And we only exist because of the community that supports us on Patreon. Patreon.com. Patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. All sorts of ways that you can support us. Just the price of a cup of coffee. Just get us a coffee every month. Just one coffee for me and Will to share. We both put straws in. And we'll sip, Me. we'll sip and try and make it last a month. Never done that with coffee before, never done a straw with a coffee. Think of all the things that you give your money to and support, and think of how much joy and entertainment we bring you every month. Don't we deserve a cup of coffee a month? Mm. Um, and in exchange on Patreon, we'll give you all sorts of really cool bonus goodies. Um, Obscure Marvel, which comes out each and every month, is our dive into the silliest, most ridiculous and obscure characters and stories in Marvel history. It's the trash can of Marvel. We had the melter this month, Will. (laughs) Melting that buttery, buttery Iron Man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's a hell of an experience. Uh, We drop that mini-episode every month for everyone. Uh, We also release uh, at the higher tier, the £10 tier, um, our full-length bonus episodes, which come out every month as well. This month is Maximum Carnage, one of the biggest Spider-Man stories of all time. A whole host of Marvel Heroes, villains, including Carnage and Spidey and Venom. And if you're at that £10 tier, you'll get access this month to 30 full-length bonus episodes. If you're sat there going, I've listened to everything they've ever done, there's 30 episodes waiting for you on Patreon. Um, So at that £10 level, you'll get access to all of those, plus early access to every single show, plus access to 27 mini-shows as well. It's a hell of a deal. Patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. This is not content that just exists in a vacuum and you get it for free. This is content that only exists because of the incredible support from our community that want us to keep doing deep dives, want us to put this much work in. So go and be a part of that community. Help support the show. Get yourself some awesome bonus content as well. Patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. On the other side of this big break, we've got the full deep dive into Let There Be Carnage. Carnage. 